Welcome to College and Career Reimagined, a podcast created by the Center for Equity and Post-Secondary Attainment. This podcast is designed to provide listeners with cutting-edge research and best practices, including tips and tools needed to implement equity-based career development and post-secondary readiness for students in the K-16 educational system. Your hosts are Dr. Laura Oren, founder and co-director of the Center, along with her co-director, Dr. Diana Camillo. everyone. Welcome to today's episode. I am Diana, And I'm Laura. We're so excited today to be joined by Greg Simmons. Greg works for the Career Center at CSU San Marcos, and he's currently a doctoral student with San Diego State University's education program um, that is partnered with Claremont. And so, Greg, uh, we'd love to give you a few minutes to introduce yourself to our audience. Well, thank you. I appreciate uh, both of you and appreciate for this time and for being here. Um, as you mentioned, my name is Greg Simmons. I'm the Employer Relations Specialist at Caltech San Marcos and for many years in uh, the um, technical space. Did that for several years and I realized that I really enjoyed my summer work. I was over our interns and I realized those three months working with those students were exciting and brought me so much energy that I was like, how can I do this 12 months out of the year? Uh, so I returned back to school, um, got my master's at San Diego State in counseling. I uh, started working in the career center, did my internship at Cal State San Marcos. And um, really, uh, again, it was my goal to work with students and to help them because I was seeing the struggles they were having, being on the employer side and recruiting, especially students of color, and just the lack of some of the, the skills and knowledge of how to interview properly. And so I took that time during the summer to really make sure that not only we gave them opportunity for employment, but also just like life skills and educational skills related to how, what things they need to do while they're in school and those type of things. So it led me to about over 25 years now on this side of the, in higher ed, been doing the work ever since. The last year or so, I've been the interim director um, at the Chris Center as well. Prior to coming to San Marcos, actually I had over 15 years uh, director of the career, of career services, uh, both in higher ed and for a nonprofit organization. Um, Greg, as you were talking about your journey um, and thinking about like, as you were describing this work that you were doing with interns and how that really influenced you. And then look at your internship with CSU San Marcos turned into this long journey for you. Um, of employment, which I think we talk a lot about in the career space, like where connections really matter and where opportunities um, come from. So in all of this, you described a little bit about your your excitement, sort of your your educational journey. Maybe you could share with our audience. Yeah, it's just amazing how life has its way of, of sending us certain directions and certain paths. Prior to coming to CSU, um, honestly, I was um, the director of career services for our U.S. Olympic team and get to work with some of the best athletes in their transition. That's when Michael Phelps and all of them were still on, on campus at the training center. So I got to meet and do some wonderful things. Uh, but life happens in the coming back because my mom was ill. And fortunately for me, there was a spot back at Cal State San Marco. And I was able to deal with my mom as well as to work there, which worked out great. So I've always stayed in this space. But as working at Cal State San Marcos, I worked real closely in my role with all the deans on campus, especially with regard to with employers and also with curriculum for us, you know, what's, what are employers looking for? And the dean of our business college 
Well, Craig said, have you, have you thought about getting a PhD? And I'm like, I'm way too old. I'm not going back to school. <laughs> I'm done with that. And he said, you do all this research. And he said, that's what a lot of it is. And I didn't know much about it. But he gave me the opportunity to go back to Chicago, matter of fact, to Chicago for the uh, PhD program. And PhD, yeah, PhD program. And for those who know what that is, it's um, a program really designed for underrepresented students to look at a PhD uh, and obtain a PhD pretty much at no cost. So I got this whole education for these couple of days in Chicago and like, my, I was like, wow, my whole eyes and everything just, just changed. I got like re-energized and um, started looking at different schools and were approached by several schools because they want to find out what is your interest? What do you plan to do? And so it re-energized me because like, wow, these schools are like interested in me, like MIT and, <laughs> and um, UCLA and Stanford. And um, and the only, the only bugaboo was, is that you need to do it full time. And I couldn't do that, I, you know, home and family and everything. So I was, um, but started looking at other programs and um, found out about San Diego State and their joint doctoral program with Claremont Graduate University. And, you know, and I, I liked the, the interest with the, the, the social justice piece that was, that's part of the program. And, and my whole thing, it wasn't about having these three letters behind my name. It really was about doing some institutional change and making a difference. Um, it wasn't about self-promoting, you know, and the dean recognized how passionate I care about my work and what I'm doing this for and why I find this is valuable. Um, and kind of going back to like my introduction, just I've just seen over the years in my family and just men of color, period, especially, work has always been an issue. And to me, it's real disheartening when I see young individuals complete their college degree and they're still having issues finding work. So all these things have kind of drawn me back to school, kind of re-energized me. And I realized I like school. I just, <laughs> I'm enjoying it. I wish I didn't have to work and wish I could do this on a full-time basis. But I'm slowly but surely getting through the program. Thank you for that. And, and as we're talking about reimagining career education in higher ed, you, you talked a little bit about supporting students in terms of their employment skills, their life skills, their school skills. Can you, and I'm, I'm just curious in terms of your, your exposure and your experience in the work that you're doing both as a, as a practitioner and also as a scholar, can you share a little bit from your experience what that might look like? Which is a really good question because one of the things I, I realized and it's more self-reflection, um, I was successful my first time through as an undergrad and ended up getting kicked out of school. And then I, I realized I really didn't know what I was doing, especially in first generation. And, and I almost how many years later, but all this time later, I realized it really hasn't changed. The students are asking the same questions I was asking. Well, I take that back. I didn't ask questions. That was part of the problem. <laughs> but the students are still having the same challenges, you know, some of the potential barriers that I was experiencing back there. You know, where do I fit in? This is new to me. This is different. And I don't know if it's a guy thing where we don't ask questions. I know for me back being young, it was like, I got to figure this out. And that was kind of the way you were brought up. You need to figure it out. And not realizing how all this, you know, the social capital on campus to really support and to do that. And so I'm a real big proponent of getting students to recognize they have help and support on campus and you don't have to do it alone. And those are the things that I think made it, it different. But ironically, I don't think the, the initial question or the, the initial desire to go to college has changed. You know, studies have shown that, you know, majority of students are going to college for the employment prospects, but it's always this 
rub when you when you look at the educational process to get your degree like where's this piece involved with that to help them make that transition you know some majors incorporated but not all majors are encompassing of a pathway to employment so um so time has changed and passed and i think it's one of the things that has me want to move forward in my research because really nothing has changed and the same issues I deal with our same issues students dealing with today. And I appreciate you saying that because that is something that I hear from a lot of my students, right, in our teaching when I'm lecturing. Well, what does this have anything to do with the actual job that I'm going to be doing, right, with the profession? There's still sort of that bridge between content and application and practice. You know, and from the research I'm doing now, I realize that on the other side, a lot of those in, in academia really don't feel it's their responsibility or their job. To help them prepare them, I just pose a focus on my content, my material, my subject matter, and that's the end of it. And uh, but you kind of you know need to look at the the whole picture. And one of the things that come up to me is like not all majors are equal when it comes to that employment piece. They're paying the same dollars, they're getting the same degrees from the same school with just a different major, uh, but not with the necessarily the same outcome. And I think if 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 students have one outcome. How come it's really not aligned to what, say, their outcome is, you know, for for learning? So and I think those are the things that make it challenging. And I think it makes it challenging for the student because a lot of them believe that, as well as parents. Uh, I participate in a lot of our orientation, new student orientation, and with parents and families. And majority of the questions come to me. <laughs> It'll be a panelist for financial aid. So between me and financial aid, nobody else really get admissions. No, um, all the other services on campus. Will my child have a job when they finish? Where, who are you guys connected with? And I get those questions year after year. And, you know, now I feel guilty because I, I tell them, I show them what, you know, programs we have. And I'm sure thinking, what number of population am I really addressing when I'm giving these numbers? And typically, historically, on a national level, there's less than 30% of the student population that actually use the career center. So what's happening to that other 70%, not to mention the ones that come into the career center, pretty much have an idea how to utilize it, uh, utilizing the, um, the service. So, cause that was one of the reasons historically too, on our campus, the interim director usually takes the director position and I decided not to, it was like, wow, why not? <laughs> why would you mm-hmm. not do that? And, you know, cause obviously it's more money and obviously it's like more title title. I really feel right now I have something bigger in mind that, from that seat, I realized I couldn't really do the work because I'll be doing work for the center and not really can do anything where I'm trying to do institutional change or trying to do things on a broader basis to change how we look at career centers, career services, career readiness, and that whole transitional piece from student to employee or to working professional. So I'm like looking at different, you know, different avenues. So Greg, I love the way your story really talks about the journey. And and so often students get the picture from adults that there's just this one pathway, it all has to be done the same, and there's not all sort of these interconnections. And wow, like looking at the 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 depth of your experience, like you you worked for the US Olympic team and you know, provided career services, you've been in industry, you've been in higher ed. And I love the way you're talking about this institutional change. And you just, you know, explained a little bit about where you see um, institutional changes needing to happen in the higher ed space. 
And I think as you're describing some of the issues in higher ed, we see them in K-12 as well, but I think in some ways, higher ed is much less resourced than K-12 when we come to college and career advising and really supporting students. Could you tell us a little bit more about maybe what you see as some of the specific targeted um, kinds of changes that need um, to happen on the higher ed side for students? Yeah, it's really more about integration of, of the program. And think of it this way, when you look at career centers and, and this is across all campuses, HBCUs, predominantly white campuses, it really doesn't matter. It's a standalone service and support. It's not connected to any degree programs, not curricular to any curriculum. It's a student goes there to basically to find a job. It's more transactional. Help me with my resume, help me find a job, but where's the learning really occur? And for students who aren't aware of what the career center is, we have students that typically come to our, you know, at the end of their, their senior year and talk with the employers and the work that I do, employers, it's late, they're late, they're behind. They don't understand that, you know, a lot of first year students, first generation students have no one before them. They don't know what they don't know. So they don't realize that when they should be looking for work and hiring, you know, part of the, um, the work that I do looking at hiring cycles and the hiring cycle has changed from when I was in college to, to today, because now the hiring cycle, and I try to educate individuals on in our campus, as well as other folks from the, from, um, September through October is really when they start doing recruiting by October through December, they're doing interviewing by January, February, they're making offers. So we get our students, especially our students of color who start, start looking for work their senior year until May, right before they graduate, they're already late. Other students have already accepted opportunities. Most of those college degree programs are, uh, what do you call it, after they graduated to look for work. And how can you guys aren't, you know, then look sooner? Because they said all the applications said you needed a college degree. They waited to literally until it was confirmed in the mail that they got clarification that their degree was confirmed. Not that they graduated, but actual brought something in the office showing that they actually graduated because they didn't know because the application clearly says I need a college degree. And I, you know, I have to like keep my face straight because I was like not very empathetic for students of color and just their challenge with college it was like, we should have known that. And my question, and, and how was that was going to happen? Like <laughs> through what medium was that supposed to happen for them to, you know, get that learning. So it's just, um, so even with today, it just needs to be a little bit different where this, the system needs to be part of this whole transition piece needs to be a part of their educational journey, not just a one-off. It needs to be part of the curriculum, part of their degree plan, part of their graduation requirement. You know, when you think about sort of those institutional changes or institutional practices, right, uh, that is so, you know, you hit it the nail on the head when you said, you know, career center services are usually seen as a standalone process. And I think about my students, I usually hold every every spring a resume and interviewing workshop and students don't think, you know, they don't, they go in thinking, you know, you, you know, you're gonna, I'm going to get help in putting my resume together. And after this three hour workshop, they come out, this is a huge process. And what I tell my students is you've put in three years of getting your degree and oftentimes there could be a gap in you getting a position or even getting an interview because of the resume 
or the interview style, which gets me to think about sort of the other part of the institutional practice, right? Making sure that programs think of job placement and securing a job outside of the degree as part of the responsibility as well, right? We not only have to educate them and get them through the degree, but also make sure that there is that connection. And I think you said this earlier that programs are very different, degrees are very different, and how we go about doing that look can be very different for the student. It's not equitable per se. I'm just curious to un- sort of get your also your point of view or from your experience, how you navigate this conversation with various stakeholders, right? Whether it is administration, whether it is funders, um, who perhaps have various conflicting interests around how do we get our students employed and into the job market? Yeah, that's super, such a challenge. And I, and I think that's one of the reasons why I didn't move forward to the director position because I is almost kind of like I know what is expected in that role, and you can only do so much. So let's take let's take an example from the outside from our stakeholders. So let's look at employers. I've been really insulted, and I felt like very, uh, like I said, just um, people not realizing they're saying very racist type statements to me during the interview. Like, tell me that. I really need to be working with your students or, you know, they're, and then one, the one recruiter, the lady who was over the program was so busy telling me that our students are not like USD. And I'm like, yeah, they're not, you know, most of these students are first generation students. She said, well, they don't really ask that many questions. And, um, you know, they're good about being here on time and they, you know, they work hard, but they don't seem very interested in anything else. And this is new for them. So a lot of them, um, you know, culturally, this is out of their environment, totally. So they're walking on eggshells about everything they do and being very aware of what's going on. They're not very social outgoing. I'm here to do a job, so I'm here to do my job. And, you know, you really should work, and this is what you're telling me, I really need to work on working your students to be more, you know, more engaging and be able to, to express more and to be more, you know, basically more talkative and that nature. And, you know, you ask a yes, no question, you'll get a yes, no answer. They're not going to naturally come up with this dialogue from something I can say yes or no to, uh, especially because they're more respectful of your position and thinking, well, I don't know what to say. I don't want to mess up. So they're like very thankful. And then on the other side, I've had employers in, in, in North County that love our students because they say they're the most hardworking students they've had. They come in there, they get their work done. You know, and they and they know they're not there as a stepping stone. One of one of our recruiters in, uh, in Carlsbad said, "I'm not going to look past the 56 freeway, which separates North County to San Diego State and USD and all those schools." He said because they stay here about a year and they just leave for surfing or for they don't want to make the commute. And they live in Imperial Beach, which is you know 20 miles away. They don't want to drive that far. And the students, other students that are in North County, they're you know, our students are really thankful for the opportunity. So they're looking at it, you know, from that way. On campus, I created some career readiness courses and just even getting some pushback to, I don't know, it's just always the unit thing. Like, where do we get the units from? It's like, well, we think we need it and we compel a reason why we need it. But then it's like, okay, where we put it? Then I know the first class I got approved by Academic Senate to do, but then they were telling me how to run it. And I was like, wow, you guys are totally missing the whole point um, because now it just seems like another 
curriculum course versus it being more personal and more career related to for them as an individual. I don't want one where everybody's doing the same work. I want them doing the same work as far as exploration for themselves. First thing I tell them in class, this class is about you. Every time you do, make it very personal about you. So when you're exploring different opportunities or whatever, you know, don't worry about family, friends, what you've been told in the past. Let's look at those things that you want to do and then figure out how do we get there. So it was interesting because I did it for one for sociology and students after doing the research realized that maybe that's really not the way that I really wanted to go. And then so, of course, administration was founded on that because like this is their major. So they need to pick something in that major. I'm like, hey, is that really what we're telling them to do right now? <laughs> so kind of going to do that, what I was sharing with you, um, um, Laura, about my, my article, Passion, Major, and Employment, because it's, it's a conflict. It's called um, Passion, Major, and or Employment you know, country for first generation students of color in higher ed. And mainly it's talking about this is the struggle. We tell students, follow your passion. But when they do, they get a lot of pushback, sometimes from families, because they don't see where, where does the job come out of this? You can't make money in that. And they're trying to push everybody in the STEM. And I don't have a problem with that. But the fact that we're all different, that we need to be providing opportunities for students, regardless of their major, and not just focusing, centering around all these different programs we have, trying to get them into math. Because granted, there's, um, you know, there's less students of color in those fields, but honestly, there's less color <laughs> students of color in all fields. So, you know, unless it's work with, you know, it's physical labor or things of that nature. So we're talking about the professional level, all of them should get the same type of love and type of support. And again, not to get into all this political stuff, but just, we just how does corporate fit all in and all of this? Because I realize all the stuff we do with center and career readiness models come from corporations. So we're kind of, you know, doing this whole dance. <laughs> and now I also love about being in this PhD program because now I feel like I'm, my eyes, I'm just seeing things differently. Am I really doing the same thing? Pushing them to certain areas and who's really benefiting? Bottom line, is the student benefiting? from these interactions and from these different things that we're actually getting them involved in. I really love the way that you're really bringing to the conversation the equity lens. And you know, our center is so focused on how do we reimagine college and career advising work through an equity lens. And I think you gave some really great examples. Also, I think all through pretty much everything you shared with us this morning are barriers as well as some of the systems level issues. And I'm, I'm going to ask you one of those um, miracle questions kinds of things. If tomorrow we all woke up and career advising was happening the way that, that you think would be the most supportive of students, especially for marginalized student groups, what would that look like to you? Oh, that'd be great. I'd be waiting tomorrow. Very happy. <laughs> if that was a, if that would happen, true. <laughs> Honestly, it would be the summer before they get to college, every semester, every year through graduation. They would get pieces of each part of that, not this one sit down for an hour and get this big tutorial about how to enter the workforce and do your resume or your job search and figure out your passion and, and do an assessment and like, oh my God, slow down. <laughs> 
You know, and that's why students come in just for their resume. In an ideal world, it would be prep before they get to high school, before they get to college, with exploring, looking at um, the different majors and just looking at the, the whole world of work and the different things you could possibly do. Just be real broad and real open with it. Your first year, come in and just, how does that align with the majors that are here on the campus? And then to help do your ed plan, not have like the academic advising such a separate thing, have the opportunity to do each year to provide a portion of it. The sophomore year, start looking at those opportunities, places where they can gain experience. The junior year, where they're actually doing the work in that space and understand how do we translate that learning into stuff that we can talk about and showcase our, our own skills in a meaningful way. And then senior year, focus on that employment search. Not everything all that senior year or that one time you come to a career center. And again, majority of students, again, 30%. <laughs> And, and that's a high number for those students who come to the career center. So we got 7% of the folks that really don't know what's going on. So if I wake up tomorrow, if all that happens, I'd be one happy person. <laughs> Thank you so much. And we pretty much end every podcast by asking our guests the same question. And we'd like to ask you, what is one tip? or piece of advice you would like to share with today's adults who are preparing students for life after high school? I would say the one thing is to help students as well as themselves find and recognize the value in their life experiences. There's value, you know, maybe in their part-time work they're doing. To understand that, that everything's always kind of looked at as deficit lens and maybe to view that a little bit differently, that because of their community or because of their background, there's some really good life skills and some true learning that happens there. And not to negate that because of where it came from. We're so used to what is considered, you know, proper, what's considered training, what's considered education. But learning is learning. And we, we get that throughout our lives. And it starts with our family. And we continue on through institutions. But so, but at some point, that other part got put away and we start focusing on what happens in higher ed and what happens when you now you have a degree. But all those experiences make the person and I believe that's help students recognize that and, and shift from a deficit to a positive. This has been College and Career Reimagined with Dr. Owen and Dr. Camillo from the Center for Equity and Post-Secondary Attainment. We hope you enjoyed the show and we look forward to having you join us on the next episode. If you enjoyed the show, tell a friend, subscribe, or leave us a review. It means a lot. We're on Facebook and Instagram at SDSU SEPA. You can also contact us at SEPA at SDSU.edu. That's C-E-P-A at SDSU.edu. Till next time.